This is Hallway Chats, where we meet people who use WordPress. We ask questions, and our guests share their stories, ideas, and perspectives. And now the conversation begins. This is episode 113. Welcome to Hallway Chats. I'm Liam Dempsey. And I'm Tara Clays. Today we're joined by Monique Dubbelman. Monique is an independent UX designer from the Netherlands. She builds websites for small business owners and teaches at the Amsterdam University of Applied Science. When she's not behind her computer, she likes to whisper to earthworms in her garden. How lovely. Welcome, Monique. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Monique, it's our pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Um... Yeah, um, well, I live in Amsterdam, the Netherlands, and um, I've been working independent since 2011, I think. Um, I have a background in uh, graphical design, the graphical industries. I abandoned that when I was in my early 30s, 30s. I think I had my first midlife crisis then, or maybe the second already, I don't know. And uh, I moved to a rural area, started my own web shop in organic gardening. And um, yeah, that crisis really hit me when I was doing that. So I had to go back to my old profession and I've always been doing web design on the side. So I decided to pick that up professionally and um, that's how I got where I am today. <laughs> How did you find WordPress? Um, well, I the web shop I had was built in open source software. And it's not that back in the days that I really understood open source. I was just looking for free software, to be honest. Um, so I or- originally built it with OS Commerce and after that with Magento. Uh, but I also felt a need to sort of do stories on my own garden and tell people my experiences, not just only be salesy, but also have stories to tell. And I had that on WordPress.com, which was pretty findable back then. And um, when I wanted to do, because I've been doing static web design, just HTML and CSS. uh, But when I started doing it professionally, I sort of... um, asked on Twitter, like, what are you all using? Uh, I knew Drupal. I I was, in the meantime, I knew what open source was and I enjoyed open source, working with open source. Um, So I asked around, like, what do people prefer? Drupal, Joomla, and most of them said WordPress. And since I knew the backend already from the .com blog, that was sort of a no-brainer for me. Yeah, and um, in, in Amsterdam, what's the WordPress community like there? Have you connected with them and, and um, how did you discover them? Right, okay. So um, I've only been living in Amsterdam full-time for a year now. Um, I had a long-distance relationship before that and um, I lived in Leiden, which is a slightly smaller town in the Netherlands that hosted the first European WordCamp. Uh, before I ever heard of the WordPress community at all. Um, And um, in Leiden, I organize a meetup um, with Rion Rietveld. But in Amsterdam, there isn't really an active community, um, I learned. And um, the question is why. (laughs) 
And everybody keeps asking themselves that question. And until this summer in uh, WordCamp Europe in Berlin, I met uh, people from all over the world I knew. And I met people from Amsterdam I didn't know. It's kind of like, oh, you live around the corner and I don't know you. And again, we had that question, why is nothing happening in Amsterdam? So I actually picked up the glove and started organizing meetups again, very low profile. Uh, it's like a drink now, just networking drink. And um, yeah, my philosophy is we can all hold the glass and talk. <laughs> so we're, I'm sort of slowly building up, <laughs> no expectations. I like that philosophy. We can all hold a glass. That's great. How many people do you have attending these? Is it just starting? Is it growing or did it start out pretty strong? Yeah, so the last sort of more formal meetup with speakers and all that was in 2016. So nothing has happened since then. And this summer I uh, launched like WP Drinks and uh, we had around, I think, nearly 40 people attending. And um, we were lucky to have the Gutenberg core team in town. So they all joined us, which was good. And um, actually, the next one uh, was going to be in September, but then I attended uh, Prestonomics in Tucson, so I wasn't around. So I rescheduled it for October, and I want to do another drink around Christmas. And then from January on, I've got some sponsors offering money so I can find a location and maybe get some refunding for travel for speakers. So next year, I'll, I'll start doing more like knowledge-sharing meetups, probably. I love the organic kind of minimal viable product. We'll just meet and talk and everybody can hold a drink. So whether they want a coffee or a tea or a, a beer, there's an opportunity to get together. I love that. Yeah, it's it's like a hallway chat in a way. You know, it's it's the hallway track that I'm only organizing and not the official program. And for me, the philosophy is, I think, but it's an assumption that one of the things why the Amsterdam community sort of, bled to death <laughs> is because uh, since it's our capital, um, people sort of want to show off like, oh, since we're the largest capital, we have to, you know, have really good and professional speakers or really have a big setup or I don't know if that's the reason. But And then, you know, the, the aim is so high that it makes it really hard to sort of, because we've got a lot of job we've got other stuff to do makes it really hard for people to actually start doing it because they, they have to hunt locations they have to hunt speakers they have to promote and they're like oh i'm too busy to do all this and um so for me now it's sort of getting more activity in the community and it's not my party i don't want to do this by myself but see if i if if it runs then people will automatically become more enthusiastic to join i think do you find the people that are attending, are they of all different levels in WordPress? Are they beginners, yeah. developers? What's What do you find there? Yeah, with the drinks, it was really like all levels uh, from like core committers to WordPress to people who just had their websites uh, designed and they were a business owner of, you know, hairdressing or uh, manicure or something like that. So um, I enjoyed that. I like the informal setting that gives it this broad opportunity. With the other meetup, I noticed that it depends on the speakers we have. Um, so if we have more like SEO or marketing or content type of talks, it will be more business owners or people who have no experience, technical experience with WordPress. If we have more talks on like um, uh, performance or stuff like that, we tend to get more developer. Uh, so the, the, the speakers are important to see what, what type of people you get. 
Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So let's talk about your agency and your business and your passions within that. So um, I know a little bit about you. I know that you've worked with the accessibility team and, um, and that you are involved a lot in UX. Can you talk a little bit about that and what UX is and, and how you got started with that as a designer? Yeah, so um, I'm I'm involved in the design team for WordPress as a volunteer. Um, I do a lot with accessibility, and that's um, because I work a lot with Rion Riedfeld. Uh, she's my friend, and for her, accessibility is like everyone should practice it, and I agree with her. Um, um, I wasn't aware of all the stuff happening there, and for a few years now, I am, so I can't do my work without it. So uh, whenever... I design websites, it's it's in my base process. And the same goes for UX, for user experience. And in a way, it's what I've always been doing. I just didn't know it had a name. Um, so my, my website says that I design um, uh, websites with great usability because I think if you can't use it, why, why bother anyway? I mean... Uh, so for me, that's one of my core values. And actually, the past few years, I sort of found out there is like, you know, a technique behind it. Uh, but, but basically, for me, it's it's common sense. Uh, always think about your end user because they're the ones you're building your website for. If not, you can just leave it on your local computer and not put it on the Internet, I think so. Yeah, I, I get that. And I mean, I think every website should be built with that in mind. But when we're talking about accessibility it's a whole nother level it is it would you say that I guess formal UX usability is sort of between that making the website usable and accessibility is it like a medium level there because it's more than just say like you said you didn't know there was a name for it and now you know there's mm -hmm. a process to it so it's a step up from that yeah, well, I'm actually going to write a blog post on what is UX, actually, um, because Excellent. Uh, what what I see it as, and um, there's probably tons of people who disagree, but UX for me is sort of the umbrella uh, for a lot of different specialties within uh, uh, user experience. So accessibility is part of a user experience. You know, if a website's not accessible, it's poor user experience. Um, if um, um, buttons are unfindable or if people have to look for support on a website, it can be very accessible, but it's still unusable and you have a bad user experience. And there are all um, my uh, um, specialty lies in, in information architecture. I did part-time studies of information management as well. And that's all about structuring your content, have good menus, have uh, labels that make sense. That's part of UX as well. Um, so there, there's all these, these little columns under a big umbrella called UX design. And um, yeah, you have generalists and people who are more specialized in, in parts of it. So. What's the process like working with clients and getting them on board with that? Because I think a lot of times clients have in mind in their sort of their bubble, and we all are like this when we're working on our own things, right? We, we have a tunnel vision and we know what we want and we think that everybody else will understand it. So do you have a process that you use with your clients to make your process more effective in building a UX, good UX? Yeah, well, I, I think one of the things is awareness. Just just make them aware of the fact that it is a thing. <laughs> um, and um, 
it depends a little bit. Like I work with small businesses and I understand they don't have big budgets for doing full user research, uh, discovery sessions and stuff like that. Um, so I try to, um, to make it, um, how do you say that? Uh, usable for them as well. If if I sort of bombard them with like, oh, you you have to comply to this and to that in your code and blah blah blah, and they're like, okay, not for me. Um, so I try to make it very tangible and say like, oh, if you put a link in your text because usually they're the ones writing their own content, don't say click here, but you know, make it descriptive because that way. Uh, Google is usually a really good <laughs> way to sell things because everyone, every client wants to be found on Google. And I say, if you make your links more descriptive, Google will understand them better as well uh, or, or have an alt tag with your images. So, um, yeah, just try to make it more selfish for them is, is a pretty good approach <laughs> usually. I was just going to ask a clarifying question building on, on Terra's. You had talked about working with smaller clients and trying to make it manageable for them and one of the things that I share with my client is if we look at Coca-Cola as a way to handle brand management, we can go into the shop and whether or not it's Diet Coke with lime or some other new flavor, we always know who made it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might not like it, but at least we know the brand. I wonder what approaches, and you've already shared the try to make it uh, about them in a, in a business case, but I wonder what other techniques or ideas you have to kind of take the, the big UX strategies and ideas and system and scale them down for a, a non-Coca-Cola budget, a smaller business budget. What else can you share, please? Um, oh, that's a good question. Um, I try to, well, a, a great thing for them is a persona. Just think of their ideal client. That, that's usually something they can manage uh, and also like have a client in place that they already know instead of thinking something out of the blue. A recent technique I've been using is not just writing a user profile and a user story, but actually have them think about jobs people tend to do on their website. Like, what do you want them to achieve? What what do you want them to do on your website? And how is your website currently facilitating that or not? So uh, not saying like, oh, my client is a 30-year-old person and he's got a dog and he lives in the city and he um, he likes to drink uh, colas, whatever. <laughs> uh, but also like if he comes to your website, what what problem are you trying to solve for them? And and what is their, their journey to get to that problem solved? Um, and, and conversion rates, like, um, you know, sometimes they see people come to their website but they don't get actual leads uh, out of it. So they don't really see the use of it. So to, to make that more tangible, um, what they actually want them to achieve. And, and that's sometimes really um, a lot of strategic talks we have to do to sort of pull that out of them because usually they don't, they have never uh, expressed it. They have never actually said, this is what I want them to achieve. So um, it sometimes takes a lot of thinking and digging with clients to do that. But that's, that's usually one of my approaches as well, to, to start at the end. What, what should they do? What do you want from them? So then it it's actually becomes a measurable goal. Yeah, which makes it easier for me to sort of meet to, to their goals and know uh, why they're, they're happy uh, with uh, what I did for them. So. Yeah, it's not just subjective though. It's mm-hmm. it's there's actually some some facts behind it. 
Um, Monique, I'm going to ask you a question that we ask everyone on Holloway Chats, which is, how do you define success? What does success mean to you, either in your personal life, your professional life, both separate together? Yeah, I found that a really hard question. And um, I don't have a... It's something I think about myself as well. When 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 is someone successful and we tend to look at people who've made a lot of money or are famous and that doesn't define success for me personally to be honest um i've sort of had my career uh in in the printing industries i was a manager at a company i had a good money a new house and everything um so maybe back then that was success, um, but it didn't make me happy. And I think that's one of the, the core things for me, that if I enjoy what I'm doing and I can do the things in my private life, it facilitates that as well. I have enough time to do that. It's a good balance, good work-life balance, both financially and time-wise. I think that's where I'm successful and also learning new stuff, um, you know, evolving in what I'm doing, uh, that that's one of the very important thing to me as well. Um, success on the other end is when clients are happy with what I've done for them, you know, regardless of how big a project is. Um, I don't think I'm successful if people are disappointed with the work I've been doing. I, I did my job wrong. So, um, yeah. So managing expectations uh, and yeah, have happy clients. That that's maybe that's a good summary. <laughs> that's a very good summary. We hear a lot, Monique, from people like yourself who who are uh, share that they make learning a part of their definition of success. And if we set aside learning about work related and tangential type of stuff, what is your emphasis on working outside? learning outside of work. So you've talked about gardening and I wonder if you have other areas of interest or exploration where you make a point to dedicate time to learn more, get better, explore. Yeah, too many, <laughs> to be honest. Um, and it's also about dedication in a way because I'd love to learn and play an instrument but I've tried so many times and I don't have any talent. It takes me so much effort and no joy at all. So I skipped that altogether. And now I go to bands and listen to people who can play instruments, which gives me so much more joy. So um, I'm right learned, there with you. <laughs> yeah. I, I learned something there. I learned to appreciate, I can't do anything, you know, so <laughs> take some time to go there. Um, yeah, I, I really like cooking. I like to explore uh, new new things in cooking, new foods. But um, learning um, for me is is a bit broader, um, and it's it's being aware of um, not assuming too many things. That's some things I've learned lately from my work. But I also try not try to do that in private life, like have an opinion on something or someone. I mean, we all know the social media, everything is so opinion, opinionated. And um, without actually knowing what's going on, we, we have our say. And I try to learn there as well on, on all aspects of life. Um, yeah, also in, in my personal life, not to, to judge people too quick. Um, yeah, I, I've learned from my work <laughs> that there's always a different story. Um, try to be the better 
person there who sort of steps back uh, in time, which is hard every now and then. It's very hard, but it's very valuable when you can do it. Yeah. 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 Thanks for sharing that. That's a, I think that's a, a great point to make about learning. Is, is I think that will also judgment. take, yeah, it will also take the rest of my life to master that, I think, because we're all humans yeah. as well. And sometimes we're not that Zen <laughs> as we want to be. So, yeah. Monique, I, as we've been chatting here for 15 minutes or so, it suddenly occurs to me that you and I have met each other briefly in real life in person. When you mentioned Rianne's name, uh, she gave a presentation at WordCamp US when it was in Nashville the first year. And I happened to be the MC for the room. So I was chatting with her and you came up at the last moment to offer all sorts of support and, and camaraderie to your friends. So uh. That's true, because I was speaking there as well. And I remember I was sitting in front at her talk. Yeah, that's true. So we did meet. Good. <laughs> it's a small world. The WordPress world is very small. Like we've been meeting people on and offline. And um, also in Tucson, like I knew Tara from offline, but we also met in person when we were all together in Tucson, which is good because you just sort of, it's easy to pick up with people that have mutual interests or I, I, that's one of the things I really like about WordPress. It sort of connects in a very organic way. Yeah. It's like we are a natural family. Um, mm. Yeah. We are pretty immediately comfortable with each other. It's amazing what online relationships can do when they, when they're in real life. Definitely. So, yeah. Yeah, I like that it provides a, an opportunity to explore other cultures as well, right? I mean, so there's people using WordPress all over. And if we can get together and, and talk a little bit about UX or widgets or WordPress this or, oh, I hate it when this happens. Mm -hmm. It just kind of reduces the barriers between us and allows us to develop relationships with people whose experiences are very different than our own. That's, yeah. that's pretty powerful stuff. That that's one of the things I learned as well with, with design because I never realized being Dutch would be an advantage because it's such a language spoken by, I don't know, very few people. Um, but I've learned within design, especially with, with uh, polylingual things like WordPress, um, most of the designs in WordPress are, are made from English. And um, if you would have a button with a, a word saying add, um, in Dutch, that would take up so much more space, so your whole design would go bonkers. And I know a bit of German, and I know the Germans have need even more characters to say the same things. Uh, so knowing other languages or cultures, it helps you become a better designer because you you can understand what they need. So um, that's that's one of the things I'm learning as well to have a, a broader view on these things um, and see that being Dutch is an advantage that way. Yeah, that's, uh, that's that's really interesting insight. I, I want to change gears on us a little bit here and ask us, well, I'm not ask us. Yeah, that's cute. Uh, I want to ask you about advice and ask you to talk about it. We like to ask our guests about the, the best advice that they've received or read in a book or come across in some way and then successfully implemented in their life. What's been the best advice that you followed or worked out well for I have to think about that. <laughs> um, I think one of the best, yeah, well, no, there's one thing that pops my mind straight away. So that's probably the best thing I ever learned. When I started my own business, um, I already thought like, what can I add? Because there are so many people 
doing this already. And then one of my friends said, you're adding you. And you're unique. So, and then I started. <laughs> and um, yeah, that was a big insight. Like I can, I'm the only one who can do it my way. Yeah, that's true. I think it's, Love that. yeah. And that's how many of us, at least how, how we start. I think um, how you communicate that and what does that mean? What does that mean? What, how would you describe yourself to someone? If, if What's uniquely you? What are your characteristics? I, is the, you're asking me that? I am. <laughs> or it wasn't yeah. just philosophing on, on the... Well, it uh, could be, but I guess I am asking that, yeah. Okay, um, I guess I'm very practical, uh, down to earth. I'm straightforward. <laughs> it's my Dutch directness. We're born with that, right? <laughs> um, I'm a good communicator, I think. I think that's what people value. And I can also translate. Like I've, I have technical knowledge. I also had that in the printing industry. But I can translate it to non-technical people so they still understand what's going on. Um, um, so with, with the training I do, the teaching I do, that's, that's a huge advantage. Um, people say to me, like, when you say it to me, I actually understand it without knowing what it is about. So I think that's one of the things I can add value to. And also the fact that I have a broad understanding of all types of things that people need, even without being able to do it myself, I know where to find solutions and, and help people out. So... I think I can add a lot of value there. Excellent. I want to ask you about teaching. Tell us about uh, the teaching that you do since you brought it up. Yeah, I do it as a freelancer. So uh, lucky me, I'm not be in front of a class of 17, 18-year-olds full-time because I would go crazy, I think. Um, but... Uh, um, yeah, on the University of Applied Science, so it's, it's sort of bachelor level. It's one level below university, master university. Um, uh, there's this study currently called digital business. They keep changing it every two years. And it's a sort of mixture between information, media, and communication studies. And what I've been teaching is content management and uh, what was the other part? Digital media, they call it. And what we actually did is people had to make their own website in WordPress that they didn't really learn, but got, you know, an outdated guide on like, here's how you do it. And it didn't have Gutenberg included yet. <laughs> um, and it was not about WordPress, but they had to learn how to structure their information, think about um, templates for certain post types, like if you want to do a recipe or if you want to do a job opening and structure that and, and sort of define the parts in a post that you need, metadata, stuff like that. And uh, the other part was where they um, had to do a bit of marketing as well and sort out a, a sort of process on how to um, um, measure certain parts in, in a sales process on a website. Another part was prototyping, so very broad, like how to prototype a website and uh, what you show where and how do you design it. And I could do some accessibility, usability, readability there as well. With that. So. How many days a week are you in the classroom with that? 
it's it's in blocks. So I was doing it in spring, not at the moment. Probably I will do it for um, two months in spring again, and and that will be like I don't know around six to eight hours a week, and then it will be um, reading their tests and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's an adjustment. That's a completely different um, mental process and and workflow process from from building websites. Yeah, also the freedom I have now to to sort of go over my day myself. But then I have to be there at two thirty because right. there's twenty people waiting for me in that classroom and come things like mm, the sun is shining. Let's skip work this afternoon. So yeah. 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 That's one of the things I don't, I don't want to have others decide on my um, agenda, you know, all all week, all day. I like it every now and then. And it's good because you get a lot of feedback from the young kids, how they look at things and learn from them as well. Yeah. 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 It keeps you needing to be on top of what's happening as well. So I think speaking at word camps is another thing to do to, to accomplish that as well. Do you have any um, word prep, word camp, speaking engagements coming up another uh, word camp i'll be speaking at paris web just try to break out of the the wordpress bubble every now and then um and i i just did word camp new york i spoke there on the 100 days of code i'm doing as a non-coder why i think it's important even if you're designing why you should learn how to code which is great fun um so no i'm i'll probably next month i'll probably go over what's going on next year and see where I can apply as a speaker because I, I pay for all the expenses myself. So I have to be picky on where to go, how much it costs. And so. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I hope we get to see you at a word camp here or there at, at some point coming up. It was, we'll it was lovely spending time with you in Tucson. So it's, and it's nice to have you on the show. And unfortunately we're out of time. Oh dear. <laughs> that went quick. <laughs> that was great. Can you share um, with us where you can be found online? Yeah, so most of the things I go by with is my company ma- name, which is not very international, called Boo Media, um, which is Boo, what the Dutch cows say, B-O-E Media. And you can find me on Slack, Instagram, Twitter, um, WordPress.org. Great. Anywhere. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time with us and sharing your story. It's been really delightful chatting with you, Monique. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed talking to you. Thanks, Monique. Great to, great, great to spend time with you and reconnect with you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show. We sure hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you like what we're doing here, meeting new people in our WordPress community, we invite you to tell others about it. We're on iTunes and at hallwaychats.com. Better yet, ask your WordPress friends and colleagues to join us on the show. Encourage them to complete the Beyond the Show form on our site to tell us about themselves.